This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your Super Wild Card Weekend betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I am joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, what's going on? Uh, are you glad that the uh, the college football season is finally over, or is it more bittersweet? It was a, a good ending to the year, good close of the bowl season, had, had a lot on Georgia. Good NFL final weekend, but I mean, basically I just replaced college football with more college basketball. So it's not like I could get more free time or anything. And college basketball, I'm a little stronger in. So I guess I'm net happy, but college basketball is even more of a grind with this COVID stuff. I mean, there's so many more teams. It's every night. It's uh, so it's nonstop, but I'm excited for the NFL playoffs. And uh, I'm assuming there's going to be a, uh, a lot fewer tests out there from these NFL teams now that they've reached the playoffs. <laughs> right uh yeah no last week was um last week was really fun um just with all the props and incentives and and things that uh that were available so now we got the playoffs we'll do our normal six pack uh we will uh, switch it up a little spreads and totals will be involved uh in that you know, we'll also talk our favorite props since we got some time here but before we jump in uh, a few quick notes for you guys first in case you're new here please download the award-winning action network app it's the top-rated app for sports bettors, and it lets you track every bet that you make. Uh, and speaking of the Action Network app, if you want to reference our six-pack picks anytime, just use the app's follow feature and follow Sunday Six Pack, where we log our top picks every Friday during the season. And for those of you who love college hoops, Action Network's college sports podcast, Big Bets on Campus, hosted by my guy right here, Stucky, is now releasing three college basketball episodes every week so be sure to subscribe to big bets on campus wherever you like to listen to your podcast all right let's give the people what they want let's open that super wild card weekend six-pack presented by our friends at the athletic brewing company thirsty for action let's crack open the sunday six-pack All right, Stuck, once again, tied at 53. Uh, came close to the sweep last week. Just New England did me no favors. I, I knew that was done once they – anytime you have New England and they go behind, like like something happens to them that doesn't usually happen, like a pick six or a block punt, you just know it's kind of over with them. So, uh, But came close, tied up. Uh, we'll do point per spread or total on this. And then uh, we have a little stipulation going that at some point during the postseason before the Super Bowl, but – all of our picks, unless otherwise noted, uh, will be worth one each. Stuck, you're up first. Where are you going? For my first pick of the wild card weekend six pack, I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders plus five and a half at BetMGM against the Cincinnati Bengals. Let me set up just kind of 
big picture wild card weekend betting historically well this weekend when you look at it there's a lot of revenge right we have three revenge games three same season rematches and two division games which means they you know played both both of those were split in the regular season 49ers cowboys the only unique matchup uh, of this season for what it's worth teams that lost non-division teams because they were only played once lost the regular season meeting when they if they were meet again in the playoffs the team that lost the first meeting is 60 percent against the spread since 1980 for what it's worth you might get a little inflated number you know the team that lost has the advantage of making the adjustments a little relevant here wild card weekend has been dominated by dogs and unders uh in recent years nfl dogs overall 29 and 17 in the playoffs since 2017 at 63 percent 15 and 3 against the spread on wild card weekend and 10 and 8 straight up Road dogs in the wild card round, 14 and two against the spread the last 16 times. And dogs overall, 55% against the spread since 2003 per action labs. And over the past 10 years, this weekend, wild card weekend, unders have hit at a 66% clip. All right, so let's look at this Raiders Bengals game. Look, the Raiders, they lost the first meeting 32 to 13, which was an extremely misleading final. I mean, if you look at the advanced box score, the Raiders were actually the better team, believe it or not. It was a 16-13 game. The Bengals were like a one or two point favorite in that game. I think you might have been. Were you on the Bengals that game or the Raiders? Uh, no, I was on the Raiders, unfortunately. Yeah, they, were, on the they, Raiders. Were, they were a home dog, and I just didn't feel like they should have been a home dog. Uh, obviously, yeah. I was wrong, but. Yeah, I made that game a pick. And, and the Raiders actually outplayed them. I think they gained almost two yards per play more mm-hmm. than since. There was a couple late fluky turnovers, turnover on downs, and then since he kind of extended in the final five minutes. So, you know, I didn't really come away from that game taking, you know, adjusting Cincy up or the Raiders down. And as of right now, the teams are still who I thought they were. Insert Denny Green clip. They are who we thought they were. Home field advantage this year has been about one to one and a half points since he's not the hardest building to play in in the NFL. So, you know, you might be sitting around a field goal here. You can like maybe argue for a half a point or so for the spot. So it's it's definitely not ideal that the Raiders are playing on a short week off a primetime game in overtime, an emotional game. Then they have to travel. You know, meanwhile, the Bengals were resting. They have to travel from West Coast to Cincy, from indoors to outdoors. And, you know, the, the Bengals will obviously be a little more rested. So that favors the Raiders as well. But on the flip side, pressure on the Bengals here. They're the team that's supposed to win with zero experience in the spot. And the Raiders are playing with house money. They can come in, play free play loose so that might actually work in their advantage but when I look at this game let's look at the season season long Raiders 4-0 in overtime like this team was very fortunate 7-2 in one possession games they also played three backup quarterbacks they went 4-4 versus playoff teams they were negative 65 on the year and point margin overall Bengals 1-2 in overtime 4-5 in one possession games they also played three backups they went 4-2 versus playoff teams and they had a final scoring margin of plus 84. So the Bengals were the better team overall. I'll give you that. But I just think this is too many points uh, in this particular game. And I like some of the matchups for the Raiders. And number one, I think it should be mentioned. McPherson's been good for Cincy too, but I, A.J. Cole can boom him as punter. And Carlson is one of my favorite kickers, not named Tucker in the league, which could come into play here. But the Raiders' offensive line, number one, has been playing better of late. You know, Andre James has improved. Alex Leatherwood has improved as the season went on. A lot of that's continuity. Like this whole unit lost everybody. And 
you know, that's helped Jacobs. He's rushed the ball a little better. I think he's as healthy as he's been in a while towards the end of the year. And, you know, this Cincy defense isn't anything special to me, especially over the middle of the field. And that's where Derek Carr can really attack. I mean, Darren Waller went off in the first matchup. I think he can do so again. Look for Renfro in the middle of the field. Like, that's where you can really attack this Bengals defense. And on the other side, if you look at that first meeting, Burrow only threw for 148 yards. And I think Mixon also ran for 148 yards. We rarely see that. The running, the running back and quarterback in 2021 have the same amount of yards. The reason for that, I think, or at least partly, is Joe Burrow has shredded man defense and blitzes this year. And the Raiders are going to sit in their cover three. They got two rookies playing pretty well in that secondary, and Morgan Hobbs in the slot, and Hayward at one corner spot is obviously all reliable. They're not blitzing. They blitz at the lowest rate in the league, around 12%. And I think the next lowest is the Eagles at around like 18%. You know, I, I think it's a good matchup for the Raiders defense and the Raiders run defense, which Mixon did shred earlier this season, has been playing a lot better. They, they have Diablo in there now for Littleton, which has really helped against the run. I think that this Raiders secondary can at least hold up, prevent the explosive plays, make the Bengals drive it up and down the field. And the Bengals, by the way, have had the easiest schedule of opposing defenses when I adjust for injuries this year. I think Crosby has a very favorable matchup. He's been elite this year. He's going to go against Isaiah Prince. Now, the question is, is he exhausted? That is one thing that uh, he played almost 90 snaps last week. His previous previous high was, I think he's been 78 snaps, actually. His previous high was 66 in overtime against Washington. And then he had his worst game of the season the week after. So something to keep in mind. But look, I mean, look, look at some of the season-long DVOA metrics, which are just for opponent. Raiders offense, 19th, Bengals, 18th, Raiders defense, 17th, Bengals, 19th. They're both been better against the run for the season, but I like some of the matchups. I think the number is inflated. This Bengals team has looked good some weeks, but they've also looked hard. I mean, this two lost to the Jets. They had to come all the way back to beat the Jags. So this is one of those seasons, very inconsistent because they're very young. They play up and down the competition and the Raiders just find ways to keep games close and, if I was a Bengals fan, I'd be scared because the Raiders seem to just win all of those games this year, playing with house money. And, and to, to that point, Bengals six and five versus non-playoff teams this year with field goal, either wins or, or losses by a field goal against the Vikings, Jags, Jets, and Bears. So give me the Raiders here at plus five and a half. I think this line is too high, even with the not the best spot in the world for the NFL to give the Raiders the early 430 slot after that primetime game on Sunday. But I think it's too many points. Yeah, I totally agree. Anytime I see this Bengals offense going against uh, a more zone-heavy defense, every NFL team is going to play zone usually half the time or more, but the Raiders played almost every snap. And what that does is it just kind of it shortens the game in a way because it's hard to drive down the field. If you look at uh, you know touchdown percentage percentages throwing the ball, uh, they are much higher versus man coverage. You get that single coverage. You know, Obviously, you got a one-on-one, guy gets beat, boom, touchdown. So I think you're going to make the Bengals kind of drive the length of the field. It's going to be a little more difficult. You may not see like a 90-yard Jamar Chase play times three or something like that in this game. T. Higgins is actually the Bengals' leader in yards per route against zone coverage, not Chase. So Chase goes off against man. He's very good against zone as well. Uh, they, they're As a team, they are, but they're just such a drop-off. And I just don't think the average model, I don't think the market, the books, tend to price that in as much as they should. You know, if you, if you take away their explosive plays, which the Raiders have been excellent at this year, 
they so they shorten the game by themselves. They're one of the yes. slowest teams in the NFL. So, you know, like I said, Wild Card Weekend has been dominated by unders over the past ten years. I would lean towards the under here, which makes the points even more attractive. I'll go with a Bengals field goal win. I think the Raiders are a live dog here. Like it, it will never be pretty. But I mean, look at last week. The Chargers were a better team last week than the Raiders. Uh, like they are the better team, I should say. But the Raiders still got the win. Um, the Raiders can kind of do these things to teams, and it's it's yeah, it's not. The greatest matchup for Cincy, so I agree. Uh, I'll be on the Raiders as well. The autumn wind is a Raider, pillaging just for fun. Uh, all right, for my first pick and the second overall pick of the wild card weekend six-pack, I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals plus four and a half at BetMGM at the Los Angeles Rams. This is another one of these spots uh, I really like, and you kind of pointed out the numbers for dogs in wild card weekend uh, but i'll just add to that by saying it's been really the dogs by a touchdown or less wild card underdogs by seven points or less 28 14 and 167 against the spread uh, since 2003 uh, we start looking at double digit dogs and it kind of goes the other way so a uh, great spot here just before we even get into the matchup but you know we have a two-game sample of these teams playing already this year one of the things that stuck out is that in the first matchup Arizona outgained the Rams 465 to 401, and they won the game. Uh, the second time, Arizona outgained the Rams 447 to 356. So the yardage differential actually went up, but they lost the game. So uh, I look at the two matchups, and I see that Arizona has gained 912 total yards. The Rams have gained just 777. Uh, that's an average of 68 yard per game differential. So that's big um, because yards equate directly to points. Um, you would expect the team with the advantage there to win the, you know, to win a game more often than not. Uh, don't think there's a lot of home field advantage here for the Rams. Obviously, it won't be as bad as it was uh, against the Niners last week, but the Rams still, you know, so far, they're just, you know, it's LA. The Rams are a little bit newer here. It's just one of those things where it's it's tougher to get a big home field advantage uh, for them. We still have Matthew Stafford struggling um, or not playing as well as he has earlier in the year, I should say. Weeks one through eight. 69% completions, 9.1 yards per attempt, 22 touchdowns, four picks, 118 passer rating. Uh, since week nine, so that's uh, nine games, 7.3 yards per attempt. That's a 1.8-yard drop-off. The completion percentage dropped to 66%. That's a 3% dip there. 19 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, so the interceptions more than tripled, essentially. Uh, the rating goes from 118 to 90. That's a 28-point drop. Uh, and he's just he's holding the ball for a beat longer. His time to throw has gone from 253 in the first eight games to 2.77 uh, seconds in the last nine. And this Arizona defense, it doesn't get as much publicity as some of these other defenses. It's not as flashy uh, as this Dallas defense, you know, for example. But Arizona's defense, sixth in DVOA, fifth against the pass, sixth against the run, top 10 and weighted, which factors in more recent games. And they play the eighth hardest schedule. And you look at the Rams, they're the number five defense, sixth against the pass, fifth against the run, and they played the 11th hardest schedule. So, uh, you know, our, the Rams have all that talent on that defense, but Arizona's been playing just as good here uh, defensively. I think it's going to be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona wins it. This is the third time they're playing. Uh, we still have Matthew Stafford, who at this point, I think he just has to prove it. Like, he's played well early in the year. He hasn't played well late. So he's got to prove it to us now because – Throughout his career, including the postseason, 32, 53, and 2 against the spread, 
on a sample size of 87 games against teams with a winning record, failing to cover by an average of 3.8 points per game. If you just bet against Stafford every time you played a winning team, you'd have a 22% ROI on an 87-game sample. You also look at the Cardinals, and this is when you want to bet them. Cliff Kingsbury, as an underdog, 18-7-2, against the spread, covering by an average of 6.4 points per game. So give me the cards, plus four and a half at BetMGM. I can't join you here. I make this three and a half. So uh, I guess from a line that I perspective, I was going to take one side. I would take the Cardinals, but I'm not. I can't believe you're back. Your first pick of the playoffs, you're backing oh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Satan Stafford. These two teams are just. They're going down <laughs> towards, the, towards the end of this year. Kind of disappointed that they're playing each other. Kingsbury, for what it's worth, he's 13-3-2 against the spread as the road dog. And Arizona's 8-1 against the spread and straight up on the road this year. Divisional road dogs, 13-6 and six against the spread this weekend since 2003. But McVay has owned the Cardinals. He's 8-1-1 against the spread and 9-1 straight up against Arizona. There is, there's just something off with Stafford. I don't know what it is, but the offense is off. The Cardinals' offense is also trending in the wrong direction. I think losing Hopkins is hurt. I do worry about the Cardinals' run defense here. That could be what Los Angeles relies on and leans on. But there's also some concerning things about the Rams with their secondary. I mean, you're, you're down to signing Eric Weddle, Weddle to come in and play, who hasn't played in three. He's been retired for two. He's He hasn't played since there was – there was no such thing as COVID. Um, that's the last time he played in 2019 because you lost Fuller to season-ending injury. You have Rap on the concussion list. You also have your starting corner, Williams, who has a shoulder injury. So the secondary is not great here, but I have no interest in backing Cliff in his first uh, in his first playoff game. Also, it's Kyler Murray's first playoff game. So quarterbacks making their first playoff start against quarterbacks who have at least one playoff start under their belt have gone 16 and 37 straight up and 15, 37 and one against the spread uh, since 2003. That's about 28.8%. So not great, Bob. And by the way, that's relevant to the Patriots as well. First time quarterback starter against one with experience, the Eagles. Yet uh, this is what I'm probably going to end up staying away from. I kind of like the under with the familiarity, both offenses kind of trending down. The Rams, I think they can have some success running the ball here. And then the Rams secondary is just not in great shape right now. So that might end up leading to some explosive plays for Arizona. See, are we going to see Eric Weddle try to chase down Kyler Murray? <laughs> this is, this is not, kind of my that's thing. That's not going to end well. Well, first of all, there are only six games here. like So it's like, you know, yes, there are trends going to support both sides, but I'm not going to back away from Kyler Murray going against the guy who can't beat winning teams or never really has um, in this spot. But the matchup favors Arizona in the past game because the Rams have talent. We know they're going to, they, they do, they do two things really well, get to the quarterback and Jalen Ramsey. Like, I'm just going to call that a thing that they do well is they have Jalen Ramsey. He's in their secondary. Those are the two things they can do really well with that talent. So, but what, what do they do? They play zone all the time. They're another one of those teams like the Raiders. They they play zone at the third highest rate in the league. Arizona, 9.1 yards per target versus zone, 6.9 versus man. And, like, the Rams just haven't played man. And with Eric Weddle, with, with the cornerbacks banged up, they're not just going to suddenly morph into a man cover team. They're, they're going to keep doing what they do. Uh, and so that favors Arizona. And then 
you have all these guys that get to the quarterback, but what does Kyler Murray do? Probably better than most of those quarterbacks with that 28% against the spread record gets away, you know, just makes ridiculous things happen when guys are chasing him down. So like this, it, you know, it doesn't, maybe on a 16 game slate, you'd be like, all right, it's an easier stay away. But here, I still think this is one of the better plays on the board. Um, I have it at two and a half. You have it at three and a half. Either way, that's still, you know, point, point plus of value. So yeah, give me the cards. All right, for my second pick in the third overall, the wild card weekend six pack, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers plus three at BetMGM at Dallas. Uh, just I haven't put this in the app yet, mainly because I want to see where this line goes. So maybe there's some late public money on Dallas. So if I start to see it coming back down the other way, then I'm most likely going to buy it to three and a half for what it's worth. So minus 120 or better if I can get that. The field goal is just so important uh, on, on wildcard weekend, especially when you're dealing with two good teams in the playoffs, that this is a situation where I think it is worth the buy. And so, and by the way, I also haven't put in, just for reference, I haven't put in the Raiders yet, missed the six, it's at five and a half, which I still like, but I'm going to see if like it's in a dead range, like five and a half, not really that important of a number. Like, is this going to tick back up to six? If it is, if it looks like it's coming back down everywhere then i'll lock in the five and a half but uh this is just pretty simple to me um for why i am playing the 49ers and you know number one it's the three is really important here but i I make this around two you know i've been talking about all year the 49ers are extremely underrated i think a lot of people have that same sentiment they were just getting pretty unlucky early on in the year i don't have almost i have almost no difference between these two teams. I mean, I think the 49ers, I think the Cowboys, I have fifth in the NFL and the, and the 49ers, I have like seventh and there's almost nothing separating them from my latest power ratings, but you know, the Dallas defense, I just think it's also a really good matchup here for San Francisco. The Dallas defense been running well on turnovers all year. We do know that. And they've had a, a pretty easy schedule. I mean, if you, if we take a, a glance at the Cowboys schedule here are the playoff teams. They beat, they beat the Eagles in week three, when, Brand new staff, like the Eagles are a completely different team now than they were there. I'll get into that when we talk about that game. But then you're talking Carolina, the Giants, uh, you know, the the Vikings, the Falcons, the Saints backups, you know, Washington, the Giants again, Washington again, and the Eagles backups. They have one quality win over a playoff team, in my opinion, and that was New England. And again, they should have lost and they won in overtime. So I just think that the Cowboys might be a tad inflated. I think this is a really good matchup for the 49ers because what do the 49ers do? They can run the ball as well as anyone in the NFL. And that's Dallas's weakness. I mean, you look across the board at the Dallas defensive run metrics from an individual defender's perspective, Demarcus Lawrence is elite in everything he does. Everyone else is bad against the run. Bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Parsons, that's his one weakness is defending the run. And the way that the 49ers run, I mean, the Cowboys, you have to give their pass rush credit. Pass rush is elite, but 49ers, Trent Williams should be back. Great offensive line. And they can take advantage of that explosiveness. So I think the 49ers can have a ton of success running against this Cowboys run defense. The Cowboys also struggle to cover in the middle of the field and tight ends. They also play a ton of cover one. They're vulnerable to double moves. 49ers play action running all over them. I mean, Diggs, who has allowed the most yards of any corner in the NFL this year, people forget that because he's run into a lot of interceptions. 
Uh, he's I, they're going to hit a couple deep shots. I feel like Jimmy G's hand was good enough for me last week. George Kittle should have a huge game here. And on the other side of the ball, front seven for the 49ers has been a lead all year. They're dominant against the run. And the Cowboys run rush offense has been going like this. They just keep giving Zeke the ball. That's why. I don't know what's wrong with the passing offense, but it's sort of like Stafford. If you look at Dak's numbers in the second half of the season, you have to remove last week playing against the scout team of the Eagles. They He's been on a downward trend. I'm not sure what exactly is wrong with the offense, but field goal here. We'll buy it to three and a half, but for the sake of this contest, it's at three. Still like it at a field goal. I think it's a really good matchup for the 49ers. It's also coaching this match here. Um, I'll take Shanahan all day over McCarthy. And Shanahan, this is when you take him. Road dog. 25-18 against the spread as a dog overall. 16-9 and as a road dog. Jimmy G, 13-4 and against the spread. And 12-5 and straight up as a dog in his career. 12-5 and straight up. Dak, by the way, 0-3 against the spread in the playoffs. I think that's a meaningful sample, but just wanted to throw that out there. Give me San Francisco. This is brutal draw if you're a Cowboys fan. And the Cowboys win their division and have to host the 49ers, who hate playing at home. The 49ers would rather, I think, just go on the road the whole way. So, yeah, I, I feel for Cowboys fans because I'm not, not sure what's wrong with the offense, but if the offense did pick it up, and get back to, you know, live up to its potential here. Their defense in most matchups is now good enough to make a Super Bowl run. And they could still win this game and still do that. But this is a bad matchup. I think the 49ers have a pretty good chance of winning. I'll take the field goal. I don't know. I knew you were going to disagree. We I don't know. Girl. I'm not going to pick against you with, with the Cowboys. I was ready to bet the 49ers when, like, the playoff matchups were set. I was like, okay. We're going to get the same line we got for the 49ers, 49ers Cowboys as we got for Bengals Raiders. Like it's going to be 49ers plus six, probably ticks down to like four by game time. And it opened at like plus three, plus three and a half. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, I mean, the line is, that's a pretty good line, but uh, I'll go into my next pick and I'll kind of explain uh, what I'm thinking about this game. So for my second pick in the fourth overall of the wild card weekend six pack, I am going with the San Francisco Dallas under. 51 at bet MGM. And I actually disagree that this is a bad matchup for Dallas. Uh, I think defensively Dallas matches up very well with San Francisco. And here's why. Yes. Dallas is worse against the run. I know that now. And this is why I'm going with the under too. Cause I agree. I think field goal is a little kind of iffy both ways. It very well may end on a field goal. Uh, but here's what Dallas does really well. You mentioned it. They pressure their fourth in pressure rate on a season, but not only that, they're fourth in pressure rate. They have the lowest blitz percentage of any team in the top six in terms of pressure rate. So they're getting true pressure up front. They don't have to blitz. So that means they can dedicate guys to stopping, you know, Debo and Kittle and, and those guys. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. And listen, I've been on the 49ers a lot this year. I've, I've said that Jimmy G is the, the better choice than Lance. Um, you know, it, Shan it just works better for Shanahan, but Jimmy Garoppolo, 29.2 passing grade under pressure at, at Pro Football Focus, the worst among 40 qualified quarterbacks. Uh, his overall grade under pressure, the worst uh, of 40 qualified quarterbacks at 28.2. Um, his interception rate goes from 1.8% when he's clean to 6% under pressure. His rating drops 20 points. His yards per attempt drops over a yard and a half. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to get like 
as much pressure as they would against a terrible O-line. Obviously, you still have a, a pretty decent O-line, but I'm a little concerned about the health of Trent Williams. I mean, they, you know, they said he couldn't protect himself. That's why he wasn't out there last time with the with the injury and still did not practice Wednesday with the elbow injury. I, I think it's going to come a little closer than we think to uh, to a game time call. I think he'll be in there, but uh, he might not be or almost certainly won't be 100 uh, percent. And that's what I really worry about when the 49ers play these, these kind of teams is, um, you know, they're going to be able to run on almost everybody. Like it's not Dallas's average against the run. San is going to run even on a good run defense, but turnovers, that's what doom San Francisco. And so uh, I think that it's going to be a situation where Jimmy G under pressure, I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, even if they get to like these third and fours, you know, whatever, I don't know how many he's going to be able to convert Dallas is second on third down defense. So you have Dallas against a top five pressure team against Jimmy G who struggles against pressure. Then another issue for San Francisco is that Dallas is a man coverage team. They they play a lot more. Uh, every team plays more zone pretty much, but they play man at one of the higher rates in the league. Uh, I believe it's eighth most uh, man coverage rate. San Francisco, one of the top teams against zone coverage, 10.1 yards per target. But against man, that drops to 7.9. That is massive. Debo Samuel, 3.7 yards per route run versus zone coverage. That leads the NFL at wide receiver. George Kittle, 2.69 yards per route run against zone coverage. That leads the NFL at tight end. When it comes to man coverage, Debo drops from 3.7 to 1.84 yards per route run. That's a 1.86 difference. Uh, That is essentially cutting his production in half when he faces man coverage. Kittle drops nearly a full yard uh, to 184. Juwan Jennings actually leads the team in in yards per route run against man coverage. Ayuk also drops nearly a half a yard in yards per route run versus man coverage. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to see Dallas at home get pressure and you're going to see this, the the Niners, they're going to struggle to move. They're going to run the ball. They're going to want to keep it on the ground. So I I do agree there. And I think they're going to have decent success. Uh, I still don't, I I don't think it'll be, um, I don't think Jimmy G will be taking a lot of, of, uh, of risky throws here. I think Shanahan will try to hide them. And so I think it's going to be a run every game plan from San Fran. I think they're going to struggle a bit when they throw the football against man coverages, likely on late, late in the down. And then on the other side, you, you hit on it. San Francisco is excellent in run defense. So Dallas, they're still going to run the ball. You know, they're not going to like stop running the ball, but um, you know, they're going to kind of, you're going to take that away. So they might be in some, you know, some second and long, some third and long. So that's going to neutralize a little bit uh, of their past game, which as you mentioned, hasn't been quite right in some spots. I mean, late in the year, obviously, it looks fine, so we'll see how they go against a, a real test. But that's what I'm kind of betting on here. This is uh, a total of 51. I think the Niners are going to try to shorten the game. I think they're going to struggle weighting it down, passing against man coverage and pressure. I think Dallas is going to get into second and third and long. And everyone is, like, scared to bet these indoor playoff unders. Uh, I think they uh, used to – the over used to hit at a high rate. But over the last three years, the books have adjusted. Uh, and you've seen the unders go 8-1 and one indoors over the last three years. Uh, I just think 51 is too many points here when both of these teams are going to try to drain. Well, San Francisco is going to try to drain the clock. And I think Dallas, you know, on first down, if they run, it's not going to be as successful. Both of these teams, by the way, uh, bottom 10 in situation neutral pace. Dallas 26, San Francisco 28. So 
again, I like this a lot more than I like Dallas. Might not even do, uh, jump on Dallas, um, but I just I don't think it's a bad matchup for them defensively. Though. I just think it's I think both of these defenses are in pretty good spots here. And even if the, the other teams have some success, I think you're still going to see San Francisco just kind of shorten the game. So give me the under 51 uh, in San Francisco, Dallas, and try to get the 51. I've seen it at 50 and a half at, at some books. 51 is a key number, so so try to get that. Yeah, I just think that this Dallas team, the way that they've been playing to close out the year, it's they could be in for a rude awakening here. I mean, since Dak came back in week nine, when you get blown out by Denver, you blow out Atlanta, you put up nine at Kansas City, you lose that game, you lose you know, a ref game, you lose at home to Vegas, and then you beat – I mean, here are the run, run offenses. You beat New Orleans without Kamar, you beat Washington, uh, you beat New York, you beat Washington again. Then you lose that home to Arizona, who's in a free fall. And then you beat the Philadelphia scout team. What's the, a really formidable rushing attack that this team has faced this year? Uh, you know, you go back to New England, and they should have lost that game. They go 30 points. So um, I think the 49ers, that's going to be the key. If the 49ers can't go more chopping down the field, running the ball, then – uh, good night. You're right. Cause then they're going to, they're going to be Dallas will be able to get pressure. Jimmy G will be in third and long and clear passing situations. And that's not going to work out. All right. For my third pick and the fifth overall of the wildcard weekend six pack, I'm going with the Tampa Bay bucks, Philadelphia Eagles first half under 23 and a half at bed MGM. I'll explain why I'm going first half more than the full game. I don't mind the full game, but say the Eagles get a, a lead, like they're up seven to 10 in the second half or at any point, like Brady is, is like going to come back. <laughs> like that's, that's just a given. And then I don't want Jalen hurts having to throw the ball to try and come back. These are also two very fast teams um, for what it's worth. That could lead to turnovers. There's a lot of wind in this game. It's one of the reasons I like the under one of the reasons the total is coming down 20 to 30 mile an hour winds expected with a lot of rain. Jalen hurts, not known for his arm strength. That could be a problem. You also have Nick Sirianni in his first – Jalen Hurts' first playoff game. Nick Sirianni's first playoff game, I've seen a lot of times, way too many, when these coaches get in their first playoff game that they get tight. Now, Sirianni has been – actually, the worst team in the NFL this year on fourth down decisions for win probability given up has been Bruce Arians. Nick Sirianni's <laughs> actually been pretty good. He's been, like, middle of the pack. But I can promise you he's going to – or I can't promise you. I think that he probably will err on the side of caution early in the game. Now, Arians in the second half, if they're down, Sirianni, if they're down, you know, you got nothing to lose. Like, then I could see a lot more aggression in the second half. So why, so why do I like this under? Um, well, a lot of, you have the wind, um, and that's going to play a huge role here. The – Tampa offense is obviously a little more limited without some of their key weapons. Brown is gone. Godwin is hurt. So you're going to really focus on Gronk and Evans. Now it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles play this. I assume they're going to, because they cannot cover tight ends. Their linebackers are the weakness. Middle of the field is their weakness. I assume they're going to try and bracket Gronk. And then you have Slay who's been really good this year usually stays on the outside. I think he'll come inside some because they're going to put, they're going to trips Evans. They're going to bring him in the slot. Some you have a pretty good slot corner in Philly in Maddox. So 
and they've had two weeks to come up with something for Brady. Know some people that know some people in that organization. They didn't, they had like a 90% chance of playing the box. Last week, they prepared the entire week for Tom Brady. So uh, I assume that this, they're going to come out and this is a completely different team than what played, what played Tampa early in the year. Like this is an Eagles team that is 100% different. They started two and five. They finished seven and two before they, you know, just didn't care in the last game. What did they do early in the season? I was saying, look, you got to run the ball sometimes, especially in the red zone with this team. They went from eighth to 30th. So when we're going to look week one, everything I'm going to say is week one through eight versus nine through 17 or 18. They went from eighth to 30th on early down pass rate. They went 11 personnel from fourth to 22nd. They went from 12 and 13 personnel, multiple tight ends. They went uh, from you know 18th to second in the NFL. What, what did that do? Well, their run offense stayed elite. It's been elite all year long. They ran for 175 yards or more in seven straight games. First team they've done in 35 years. They even shredded New Orleans' elite run day. But their drop back per EPA improved from 10th to second in the second half of the year. Play action rate on early downs, 14th to second. Like this is an offense that figured it out. Defense did the same thing. They switched up their defensive front over the past nine weeks, made Fletcher Cox happy. Their run defense really improved. And they didn't use as much zone. They went from second to 15th in zone rate. They still don't blitz a lot, but they went from 30th to 22nd. As a result, opponent completion percentage went from dead last over the first half of the season to 16th. So it's a defense that's still bend, don't break. They do not give up explosive plays. They have the fewest explosive plays in the NFL this year, which I think will help the under early on. I think they're going to have a good game plan for Brady and company. Another thing, these teams have come out slow on offense for weeks now. So I think that this is a game that sets up for a very low scoring first quarter. Teams feeling each other out, a lot of wind and weather. The Eagles aren't going to want to take risks. Now, they're fast teams on the service, but I think they're going to play slower early. I don't think the Eagles are going to want to take many risks with Hurts in this weather, especially early on until they have to, which I think helps the first half under. The Eagles are just going to come out and try to run. Now, the Bucks' run defense is elite, but it hasn't been as good over the past eight weeks. So now you have, you have a lot of injury questions with the Bucs, which is something to monitor this week on the defensive end. You know, Shaq Barrett, Jamel Dean, uh, Levante David. That's one of the reasons their run defense has struggled. They've had a lot of injuries up front. That's something to keep in mind. Same with Miles Sanders. Is he going to play or not? The Eagles' backfield is is banged up, and so. But I think the Bucks' run defense. It's still a top five run defense in the NFL. The Eagles are just going to try to run the ball, and uh, I think that the Eagles will at least make Brady work for it. Might have a, cup, a long drive or two for a touchdown. That if he does, it's probably going to put the game away. But I think they'll have a good game plan. I trust Gannon in place after preparing for this game for two weeks. So give me the first half under. And I, I would, uh, from a side perspective, I would lean Philly. I'm afraid of like Hurts first playoff game against Brady. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to fade Brady for what it's worth, you want to do that when he's over a touchdown favorite in the playoffs. Um, he's under 500 in that scenario, but they've been so good at home since yeah. he's arrived in Tampa. And I'm afraid of Hurts' first playoff game ending the wind. So, you know, he's – the wind with his arm strength, if the Tampa – you know, if Tampa gets all its pieces back on defense and, you know, they're really bottling up Philly's run game, uh, I don't know. The one thing, if you're a Philly fan, Brady can't beat the NFC East in the playoffs. He's 0-5 straight up against the NFC East. 
Many no, of he won a game. Super- he won a game against the Washington last year. Can't be straight up. Oh, sorry, against the spread. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I think he's one <laughs> like, in four. One in, yeah. I think he's one in four straight up. Oh, and three straight up in Super Bowls <laughs> against the NFC East. Let's see. Brady's twenty-two and twenty against the spread in the postseason. So not as great as you'd think. Sixteen and seven is a favorite against the spread. Eight and eleven is a favorite of over a touchdown. So you know it's not been completely dominant. Um, and, but one thing they also keep in mind, Brady, 50, 28, and three against the spread, 64% in his career in double-digit wins. So if there's someone that knows how to handle wins and weather, I mean, who else do you want more than Brady? So that's something that scares me with the Eagles. Because I make this like seven when trying to account for like, all right, all the injuries on the Buck side, on the offense, and then their defense isn't fully healthy. And I think that the Eagles can have some success running the ball, which is key here. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play it defensively. But uh, yeah, and the Eagles are also hard enough to crack. Like, who have they beat, right? Like, this year, they're 0-6 straight up and 1-5 against the spread against playoff teams. They, they beat, here are the quarterbacks they beat. Matt Ryan, Darnold, Goff, Teddy, Simeon, Wilson, Gilbert, Fromm, and Heineke. That's it. So it's like this is a team that I think is just the elite at running the ball. They don't give up explosives on defense. They're really good in the trenches, but I think that they're just like a slightly above average team that like beats the teams that they're supposed to and loses to the teams that they're supposed to. Yeah, and here's another thing that kind of lends to this point because this is a this is a great call. Like I hadn't started thinking about like first half yet, um, honestly, but I'm looking at the defensive average depth of target allowed because I like to look at that. Um, and especially with first half unders, because you want teams that kind of force the ball underneath, then, you know, in the second half, like you said, you might have to be aggressive, throw downfield. Philadelphia, 6.4 defensive average at the target allowed, first in the NFL, or lowest in the NFL. Tampa Bay, 6.9, second lowest. You have the two lowest teams, you're just going to, and there's wins. So you're just going to see underneath throws all day from both of these teams. So, uh, yeah, this is a good call. For my third pick and the sixth overall for the wild card weekend six-pack, I am going with the Steeler Chief under 46 and a half in Arrowhead or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, these teams, as we know, played to a total of 46 in the first meeting, but now they're facing off for essentially the second time in a month. So I think everything will be a little bit tighter. In regards to the side in this game, you know, double digit wildcard favorites, six and one since 2003. So I know we always talk about Tomlin, underdog. Ra rah spot, you know, big bad narrative, this and that. But I, I don't want any part of the Steelers in this game, even though I make this line a little little under the number. I, I still don't really want to touch the Steelers here. It's a fine line between, you know, drinking wine and squashing grapes. And Big Ben, everyone's kind of amping Big Ben up. These Steelers, they never die. They're like the Undertaker. And it's that's true. I mean, we've both been on the Steelers a, a bit in this, in this closing stretch. But I think Big Ben should have retired after week 14 because looking at his passing numbers and they're bad all year, but weeks one through 14, 7.3 average depth to target, 6.3 yards per attempt, 10.3 yards per completion. That's, that's just bad. Like it's not, it's bad. Like it's, it's not good. It's just normal, bad quarterback play. Weeks 15 through 18, the last four games, his average depth to target is six. His yards per attempt is four and a half. His average completion goes for 7.2 yards. Like, I think his arm's just dead. 
I, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like he couldn't, he couldn't throw for like the last two years. Like we saw it last year, but like late in the year, what is this a night game in Arrowhead? I just don't think Ben is going to be able to get the ball down the field. Um, so you could also make an argument for the first half year, but I, I think Pittsburgh is going to try to run the ball as long as they can shorten the game uh, against Mahomes. They And they won't be able to, because they're not good at running the ball. Uh, and then you have Pittsburgh's defense. They're eighth in DVOA against the pass, 27th against the run. So that does two things. One, if you ever could encourage Kansas City to run the ball, you might hear. They probably still won't, but at least it's encouraged. But if Kansas City does just throw all day, Pittsburgh's still eighth against the pass. We don't know how truly healthy um, Tyreek is going to be, uh, you know, kind of in and out of the last game. Uh, the running City, backs. Yeah, the running backs. They both uh, practice, so it's not like they're they're going to be – they're going to play. We just don't know how healthy they are and how long they'll last if Kansas City inevitably builds like a, you know, 20-3 to three lead. They also have like offensive that. line injuries. I mean, you've had Arlo, yeah. Orlando Brown get banged yep. up. Your right tackle situation is not ideal. Yeah, and you've kind of talked about it too. We both talked about it. Like, Kansas City – just thrashes the Raiders, right? Like they just, they can score at will against the Raiders, but you know, in this Denver game, they, they get the fumble return. They score 21 points, you know, going back, they've struggled to score in the thirties against a, a lot of teams and even Pittsburgh where they get to 36 here. Um, I think that even that might be fine because I don't know how Pittsburgh scores points in this game, but I think the game is going to be shortened. The second matchup, uh, both of these teams, top seven in pressure rate, Mike Tomlin rode unders, including the postseason, 72, 54 and one, 57%. And as I mentioned, outdoor unders in the wild card weekend, 39 and 18 since 2003, 68%. So give me the under 46 and a half in Pittsburgh, KC. Another one where if you can get the half point, uh, definitely look for it because uh, 46, somewhat of a key number here. Um, so yeah, give me the under in Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I don't know how Pittsburgh is going to get the ball down the field, even if they have to. Come on, get his ass! Get his ass! Get his ass! Back your ass up, little dude. Give it to him. Yeah, I I liked this one. Uh, I would have had this one if you didn't uh, take it. And look, no one's giving Pittsburgh a chance. I think this line is a little too high. I don't know if I'll pull the trigger for what it's worth. Home wild card favorites of. 10 or more or eight, no straight up and eight, no against the spread since 1996 double digit dogs, two and 10 against the spread in the playoffs overall this century. So, you know, when these, when you get a, a playoff team, that's double digit favorite, it usually is for a reason, but you're going up against the underdog goat Tomlin, who's 45, 23 and two against the spread as a dog in the regular season. That's most profitable coach of all time. Here we go, defense. He's 32, 11 and two, 74 point. 4% of opponents equal or better win percentage. He's never been a dog of more than 10 and a half points in his career, him nor Ben. Also to add on to your, to an under trend, read 24, nine and one to the under at home when favored by seven or more going under by eight points per game, 20 and six to the under when it's 43 or more. Tomlin is a road dog, 46, 24 and one to the under when the total is 43 or more, 66%. 25 of the last 36 wildcard games that have been played outdoors have gone under the total. So, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, usually, you know, we talk about these Tomlin spots. The offense is terrible. It's a bottom five offense. They can't really do it. And the offensive line stinks. Ben is washed. Like, so usually in these Tomlin spots, the defense steps up. Yep. The defense comes out with a tear on fire. And they talked about it this week. Like they're going to make some schematic adjustments on defense. 
you have a healthier Watt this time around. You know, they're moving Sutton around more. Witherspoon's been pretty good in the slot. You got Hayden back healthy. So their secondary can do some things here, and they're just going to make Kansas City run. And the Kansas City offense, it's, you know, it's, it's just been inconsistent. I mean, Mahomes, 30 touchdowns and thir- 13 interceptions is good versus the non-Raiders this year. It's seven touchdowns and no interception against the Raiders. It's good, but it's just not Mahomes-esque. He only has 20 big-time throws and 20 turnover-worthy plays in the 15 games that he didn't play the Raiders. He's 25th in big-time throw percentage of 30 quarterbacks, minimum 250 dropbacks. He's one spot ahead in big-time throw percentage of Big Ben and one below Trevor Lawrence for the season. So it's just an offense that has been extremely inconsistent when they're not (laughs) playing the Raiders. Mahomes is just – he's almost overthinking everything, misreading certain things. And I think he's just in his own head at times. So yeah, this all, I don't, I think that the Steelers defense, they have enough playmakers with Minka and Hayden. And so I think they have enough guys who are going to show up here, make some, make some negative plays. And I just don't trust the Steelers offense to do much. So yeah, I, they're correlated. So like, I kind of like the Steelers, but I'd rather go with the under because yeah. I think that there's also a chance this, the chiefs just win like 30 to three and then they sit on it again. Um, and you got to hope Tom doesn't kick field goals in the playoffs down 30. And here's a, one final funny stat to close it out. 17% of the Chiefs touchdowns given up on defense this year have been rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks, which we know that's not going to happen with the Steelers. So just another one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that is going to do it for our wild card weekend six-pack. To recap, Stuck is going with the Las Vegas Raiders plus five and a half at Cincinnati, the San Francisco 49ers plus three at Dallas, and the Eagles Bucks first half under 23 and a half. I am going with the Arizona Cardinals plus four and a half at the Rams, the Steelers Chiefs under 46 and a half, and the Cowboys Niners under 51. That concludes our six pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol, from IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more. They offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews let you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six-packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-M-1-0. Cheers. And now it's time for Best of the Rest, which is the game that we did not discuss in any other segment. Patriots at Bills for the third time. Bills, four-and-a-half-point favorites of BetMGM. The total's 44. The Bills are getting 62% of the bets and 76% of the money. Uh, and the over is getting 64% uh, of the bets, but only 60% of the money. Yeah, I make this game around five. I'm really high. The Bills have been all year, been low on the Patriots, have been all year. Patriots, two and three against two and three straight up this year against playoff teams. They came against the Bills in a hurricane and the Titans without their entire team. It's a team who hasn't beat anyone with a pulse in a non-monsoon all year. Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, been over those stats. Bill's offensive line, finally healthy. That's been a huge key. Ryan Bates at guard has been a revelation. They've seen this Patriots rush attack. They made some nice adjustments last time. Patriots are still going to get theirs, but they're going to play man on the outside. Patriots can't take advantage of the fact that Trey White is out. They're going to make Mac Jones try to throw on the edges, which he can't really do. 
I'll take Josh Allen here. By the way, he's going to be unleashed in the run game. Greatest scrambling season of all time. NFL history from an EPA perspective. Now, you don't, you don't worry about injuries now. I think that'll be key. Patriots first quarter EPA defense on the year, negative. They've been starting slow. You don't want Mac Jones to start slow here as a rookie in Buffalo and try to come back here. Patriots injury situation much more dire as well. Mills just on the COVID list. He's been great. About 20 or fewer yards in eight of the last nine. Barmore, he did practice today, but he's been elite in the interior. He's banged up Isaiah Wynn. So, uh, yeah, give me Josh Allen against Mac Jones and what I think is a, an overrated Patriots team. Sadly, we couldn't get three here because the Patriots really faded down the stretch and kind of showed some of their true colors that really benefited from playing a lot of teams with uh, bad injury situations and favorable conditions. But uh, I'll take the Bills here to advance and hopefully keep it going for our future. And then we set up a – Presumably a showdown, hopefully, with uh, not the Chiefs. Let's go Steelers. But uh, if not, Bills at Chiefs next week. But I, I like the Bills. So I'm going to money on parlay if you want it, but I don't see enough value to lay it. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bills get it done. Yeah, you know, it, I, it's kind of a dead number that you don't want to take the Bills. Um, I think both of these defenses are just really good. Um, you know, Bills first in pressure rate, New England's uh, 11th. Both of these teams are top two in points per drive allowed. Um, so, you know, it's, it might be one of those ugly games, uh, low total. I've, I've seen the total go up a little bit, so we'll see. But uh, I, I think Belichick will make some adjustments as well. So uh, I expect it to be tight, but I, I don't really want any part of the Patriots here. So, yeah, probably stay away from me, maybe an under uh, if the line keeps going up. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then, make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Uh, all right, let's close it out here with something we don't usually do, but uh, we'll do it for the postseason. Our favorite prop. All right, Stuck, uh, lead us off here. I'll, I'll close this out since uh, I, uh, I'll probably have more to say. <laughs> I'll keep it simple. I'm going to go Kittle over 50 and a half receiving yards. I also don't mind a Gronk look either. I'm sure he's going to get targeted a million times. But uh, I think that Kittle on this fast track indoors with against a lot of man – He's going to get a lot of targets over the middle of the field. I think that – I mean, my whole key to the cap is I think the San Fred's going to have a lot of success running the ball. 
it's going to set up your play action. So give me over 50 and a half yards. I'm not sure who covers him on Dallas. And this is, uh, you know, given their scheme, this is where Kittle and Debo are kind of equal. Like they both averaged around the same yards per route. Whereas against zone, like even though Kittle's number one for tight ends, like Debo's still like a whole yard per route ahead of Kittle. But also the Cowboys give up a lot of yards after the catch, but that's where Debo sells. He finds those holes in the zone and then you just get him the ball. And then yeah. he has, gets 25 more yards. There's a really good chance that Kittle gets this on like one play, like a big chunk, right. like a, not all of it, but like a 44. And then you're sitting really, you're good. Yeah, I trust you more for props. So if you're going to bet them, bet more on what Raybon's about to go with. Yeah, no, um, no, I actually like the Kittle one. I think this is the right spot for, for a Kittle game. All right, for mine, I'm going with CJ Usoma, under 26 and a half receiving yards. And first of all, he's been under this in nine of 16 already. So you're getting kind of a little bit of value here anyway. You look at the Raiders, they're a zone-heavy team, as we talked about. Well, Usoma, 1.67 yards per route against man, just 0.97 against zone. Uh, 19.2 yards per reception against man, just 7.5 yards per reception against zone. Uh, in the first game, three targets, two catches, nine yards against the Raiders. And guess what? What's he going to have to do in this game? Probably chip all day chip. on Crosby because Riley Reef is out. There's going to be a mismatch at, at that right tackle spot. And if you're the Bengals, you have to play 1-1 personnel because you can't take Chase, Higgins, or Boyd off the field those are three of your best players uh you can't take you obviously gonna have a running back uh so you can you can't really play with like a second tight end too often um in this kind of matchup so uh yeah i think you so much this is gonna be a blocking game for him so under 26 and a half for cj you can tell who's sharper on props i went with like the star over <laughs> and uh you went with a random tight end under that's how so you do hopefully it. We oh. Hopefully we both get to the window. Here's a here's a tip that like a lot of people don't realize. Like if you're betting props, like if you see a random tight end, not a not a Usoma because he's like he's still a starter, but like if you see Drew Sample or Foster Moreau or anyone posted, you almost always bang the under because books won't even post these props unless they expect people to go over like a bad low number anyway you know what i mean like they just won't so like i've like made so much money just betting like mercedes lewis unders and things like that because it's like the books just won't post it if it's too low but uh, yeah that's gonna do it for us uh on the action network podcast for a super wild card weekend you of course can follow stucky on twitter at stucky too you can find me at chris raybon and you can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning action network app be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our betting content uh, and uh, all of our fantasy content as well. We're still doing stuff uh, there. Fantasylabs.com for our DFS content. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify. We'll be staying with you all postseason long. So uh, tune in next week. Until then, let's get this money.